Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped this past fall and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Amina Altai is a holistic business and mindset coach and corporate trainer. She is the first social entrepreneur to successfully create a methodology that supports the health of a business and its people at the same time. Over a decade in marketing and grappling with a fast-paced career and two autoimmune diseases led Amina to burnout. In hopes of healing her own life, she sought training in nutrition, fitness, and mindfulness, and her goal became to teach others how to balance a thriving career, body, and mind. In this episode, we talk about the tax that stress takes on our bodies, why you have to marry your wellness and your career, and the importance of a growth mindset. We dig into intuitive eating, raising conscious children, and the toolboxes that we have to build in order to cope, grow, and build our big, bad lives. Progressive companies such as Deloitte, YNR, Outdoor Voices, NYU, and Huge have partnered with Amina. She's an entrepreneur magazine expert in residence and writes for Thrive Global, Mind Body Green, The Observer, Yahoo, Bustle, Birdie, and more. Let's dig in. so excited to have Amina Altai on Gold with me today. Thank you for joining my show. I appreciate you being on here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So Amina and I found each other in the world of self-development and are following each other on Instagram where it seems like everyone seems to meet now. (laughs) This is how (laughs) we kind of find each other's messages, right? And I love what you're doing. I love the um, the approach that you have to mindset and kind of bringing all aspects of our life together. And it's something that's been very important to me. And I wanted to really kind of dig in with you and talk to you a little bit about not only what you do for your clients, and I know that you work with some big companies as well, um, helping, which I think is fantastic. I come from the world of corporate America. So the idea that you'd bring someone in to help us in that regard, I think is just so wise on their behalf. Um, but also how you kind of got into this space, what really brought you to this message and what you're trying to, to accomplish in the world. So if we could start there, if you could kind of tell us a little bit about how you came to uh, the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you the sort of thousand foot view. Um, and before I do that, I just want to say, yes, I love everything that you're doing too. And I love how Instagram is such a, a conduit and connector for all of us like-minded women. It's pretty amazing. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, not unlike you, I, I started my career in corporate America and was on the marketing side and um, was in my first corporate job and just very quickly realized that I wanted to do something different, that I wanted to work with entrepreneurs and I wanted to support female entrepreneurs. And um, I had this idea to kind of start my own marketing agency and it was this hybrid agency where on one side we'd work with emerging entrepreneurs and we would take sweat equity in their company and then the other side was just sort of traditional agency. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about seven years and and I'm sure you know this from being an entrepreneur and a solopreneur, but 
you know, running your own business can be, if you don't have the right support in place and support being really the caveat there, it can be a tremendous tax on your mind, your body and everything around you. And, you know, I was really young and I didn't necessarily have that support in place. And I, it took a toll on my body and I eventually developed two autoimmune diseases. And it was, um, my life kind of came to a halt at that point where it was like, I was so unwell and I really needed to re-examine what was happening in my body, in my mindset and my career, because I was not living my best life <laughs> by any stretch. Um, and so at that point I decided I wanted to go back to school to study, uh, nutrition, mindfulness, healthy movement and coaching really with the idea of, uh, healing my own life. But what happened was I really started to feel so lit up, so connected when I was putting all these pieces together. And I thought, okay, I have to find a way to teach this. And so it was basically just taking my story, taking what had happened and trying to mitigate the learning curve for everybody else out there, for all the other emerging entrepreneurs or not even so emergent people that are entrepreneurs and hustling within the context of a larger organization and aren't taking care of their minds, their bodies, or um, really growing their careers from a space of alignment. And yeah, that was sort of the genesis for my work. I love it. And it, this is like, it hits so close to home for me in both aspects because I come from corporate America where I had to take care of my my soul, my spirit, my body because otherwise, I mean, I was, I was having panic attacks and I was having heartburn and I had, couldn't sleep and insomnia and all of these terrible things. So I, I found practices to help me. And then as an entrepreneur, it's kind of funny because you are kind of on your own in a lot of ways. And you do find, you know, people that you start to bring in. Um, but at the same time, it's like you're relying solely on yourself for most of your decision making. And, and even though you have those practices, sometimes they're the things that you you ignore the most, right? When I need to do my meditation or I need to get to the gym or I need to eat healthfully, I'm like, oh, but I've got to make this decision or get on this conference call or do this thing. And I've heard so many women share, not only through this podcast, but just kind of out there in the world, um, how we, t the tax that it takes on our bodies. I've heard a lot of, of women who have autoimmune diseases and issues with adrenal fatigue where it's kind of like lays you out flat and I'm wondering, like, in your coaching and when you're talking to corporations and they're saying, hey, come and talk to our folks, is it because of the wellness kind of aspect? Are they worried about the health and wellness and mental capacity? Or is it more kind of like they really want to get the person to the next level as far as a um, kind of like a, a, a revenue generation kind of thing? Like, is, what's, the, what's the approach and what's, what's the takeaway from them when they're done working with you? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So a lot of these organizations do want to spend on wellness programming. Wellness is such a hot space right now. Sure. And, you know, a lot of corporations see that there's demand for it with it, with their employees and as part of employee engagement and really cultivating a nice culture, they do want to put some emphasis there. But those large organizations are also looking at their bottom line and they want to make choices and bring in programming that do correlate to a healthier bottom line. And they recognize that taking care of their people goes a long way in that. And, you know, there's even examples of really big Fortune 100s who switched to growth mindset organizations and really spent time cultivating their people and they attribute their growth to that. So, it's definitely both sides of the equation, and I see requests coming from all sides. And even if people do want to just focus on the wellness piece of it, I always love to bring in the mindset as well as just a little cherry on top and to get them thinking about um, supporting their mindset as well as their bodies. It's really interesting. I have an executive coach myself that I've coach worked myself. with for 
two years. And one of the first things he said is he's like, I can, you know, I'm an executive coach. I'm going to help you with performance, but how's your life? How are you taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself? Like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, you know, I wasn't expecting to go in that, in that. And you think of people sometimes in that regard, you're like, oh, well, he's going to be, um, I'm hiring to be an executive coach so my sales performance and my time management is going to be better, right? And I have stayed with him because he's helped me kind of round out all aspects of my life. Um, and I think that's I, – I love the direction that we see kind of corporate America and the entrepreneurial space going where people are way more aware of how important it is to take care of ourselves. I'm curious for you, you said, you know, you were kind of grinding and you developed two autoimmune diseases what was your kind of road back? I know that you said that you decided to spend some time and go back to school, but what personal practices did you put into place in order to kind of pull yourself back up? Yeah, great question. And also just to echo what you were saying about, you know, entrepreneurs and corporate America really going in that direction of whole humans and looking at body, mindset, career all together. Um so for me, when I went back to school, so the, the first stop was really nutrition for me. And I think that's a, an entry point in for a lot of people. It's one of the things that we can have impact with fairly quickly, like change your eating, you'll start to feel better. And in my practice, and when I work with clients, I view healthy eating as a conduit to clarity. So it's not just about feeling really good in your body. It's like, wow, I'm so much clearer on my work. I'm so much clearer on my purpose and like how I'm called to serve. So um, so that was my first stop was really, okay, let me get really um, in tune with myself and start to eat intuitively and reconnect mm-hmm. and understand what my body needs on a cellular level, what it needs to function. And then as soon as I started getting clearer, I thought, okay, now I need to look at stress management. And that's when I pursued certification in meditation training and started meditating myself. And a few years after that, I actually came to a very specific Vedic meditation practice, which has been game changing for me. Um, And then healthy movement has always been a really big piece of the puzzle. And then over the last few years, my work around mindset and spirituality have been really game changing because it's really all those pieces. Mm -hmm. And it's creating something that's really specific to you. There's no one size fits all with nutrition or movement or spirituality or mindset. We're all so unique and have a unique blueprint. And so our plans to set ourselves up for success should be really unique too. And another thing that I want to say is that our plans and our bodies evolve over time. So always coming back and revisiting and checking in to see, okay, what does my body need? Okay, where do I need more self-care, more support, more stress management? Because like I said, it, it is as evolutionary as we are. I love this and I want to dig into this part about like the intuitive eating and kind of asking your body because I think that that's so hard for a lot of people to figure out. Like it takes a long time to create that self-awareness where you're like, okay, I'm feeling sluggish today or okay, I um, am reacting to certain foods or, um, and I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I've heard so many people talking about intuitive eating, but a lot of times in our calendar, it doesn't make way for us to eat intuitively, right? Unless you plan ahead. What do you, what tips and tricks do you give to people to help them kind of really tap in to their bodies and that internal voice that helps them? How do they find it? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I know a lot of your work is sort of around sort of deconditioning, deprogramming and, mm-hmm. you know, removing the belief systems that we adopted. And we, we have that around food too. So the food that we think that works well for our bodies or the foods that we think we like oftentimes are other people's choices for us. So I always invite people to be really in the space of like play and discovery when they're reevaluating their wellness plans. So 
And that goes for healthy movement too. Like a lot of people are like, okay, I have to slog away on the treadmill. I have to, or I should. And anytime we're using those words generally clues us into the fact that we're in somebody else's belief system. So mm. always be in sort of play and investigation around what works for you. So for food, for example, you know, awareness and mindfulness around when and how we're eating. So, you know, I always invite people to start by, you know, not multitasking over meals so they can be fully present for it and notice, okay, do I actually like these foods? Do I like these textures? How do I feel afterwards? How do I know when I'm full? So really kind of starting with that awareness space by, you know, focusing solely on the act of eating and taking in the food versus that multitasking or eating on the go. That's kind of the the biggest piece. Awareness is like 70, 80% of it. I love that because I, I mean, this is what I talk about when I'm talking about like your intuition and checking in with your gut and making sure situations are right for you. And you know, the difference between knowing when you're triggered and knowing when you're, but you're applying that now to sitting down and having a meal in your relationship with food. And a lot of people like in the wellness space for me, I think it's so important that we treat our body as a temple. I feel like our bodies house these beautiful minds, these brave hearts and these great souls, but they also have to be fed and cared for well because you're carrying this temple with you to the end of your life, right? And so you want to make sure that it's it's at the, the peak performance it possibly can, not that you need to go run marathons, but you need to make sure that you're caring for it. Um, and I love this idea that you're kind of checking in. One of the things that I remember writing about specifically was, you know, when it comes to movement, I physicality is huge for me. I work out five to seven times a week. And I agree with what you said. Like you get into this idea that I'm supposed to – do these things because that's kind of like what the people around me have done or it's what I know. Some people walk into a gym and feel uncomfortable and overwhelmed, right? They don't know how to use machines. They don't want to feel like they they are out of place. And my suggestion is that kind of playful spirit where take a yoga class and be in the back and see if you like it. You know, find something that lights you up. And what I found is like there's multiple things that I enjoy that help me in different ways. I know that for my back health, um, yoga um, and weight training work for my back health. I was in a car accident, so I know that that keeps me functional. I also know that yoga helps me with my mindset and that I find a lot of my answers on my mat. But I also know that I love hit classes because I get a really good rush afterwards and I write like crazy when I'm done with a hit class. So it's kind of interesting like how you can create these these modalities or these interests based on not just what you think you should be doing to look a certain way, but also for performance and mindset and all of these other things. And I think that's an invitation for people that they probably don't get very often. Yes, I love everything that you said. And Absolutely. Like always coming back to us, this invitation for discovery, the idea that we're in these bodies for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so nurturing them, taking care of them so that we can show up fully for the work that we're called to do is sort of the name of the game. I love it. Talk to me a little bit about, this is something that I'm very interested in right now, is fixed versus growth mindset. Because not only am I I didn't even realize like that's what I'm doing, right? Like I, I'm like, you have to live intentionally, live purposely. And then I see this kind of wrapper that's called growth mindset. And then my daughter actually was just recently, she had some testing done in school and the teachers were like, we teach growth mindset in the classroom. I'm like, I love this. This is fantastic. Um, but a lot of folks who listen may not know what the, the differences are and how companies are moving to growth mindset. So how would you kind of break down the difference between the two and where do you see more people starting to lean as they're moving into a growth mindset practice? 
Oh my gosh. I love that they are teaching this in your daughter's school right? because I always say this about like these tools that we have as entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, like if they taught them in school, like what a different world we'd live in. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. Yeah. No, they actually have like a, um, a board on the wall when I went, I did career day the other day and I walked in and it said on one side was fixed on the other side it was growth and it had a sentence like I can't or I'm going to try or this or I know I can do it and I was like oh my god they're like breaking it down and giving them examples and when we did the parent-teacher conference a few days later after her testing I was like hey what's that and they actually handed me a printed sheet with we would like you to talk to your daughter about growth mindset at home with like things that I could do at home and I was like this is amazing this is, is and this is like the school district. This isn't a private school. This is this is our county school district. So I was thrilled that they're starting to help children think like this. It's now it's a matter of getting the grown-ups to do it too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. All of those things. Um, so in terms of just kind of giving a high level on fixed mindset versus growth mindset, so this is um so Car- Carol Dweck, who's a researcher from Stanford University and a professor, so she has done extensive work on fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And she talks about fixed mindset as the perception that our abilities are fixed. So in the context of school, it would be, you know, I'm good at math or I'm not good at math. We believe that we are a certain way, we're born a certain way. Whereas in the growth mindset, we believe that we have the ability to grow into and evolve certain characteristics or qualities or behaviors or attitudes about ourselves. So, you know, for example, if I fail the math test, it's well, not like I'm bad at math and I'm terrible at life. It's like being in discovery around the why so that we can evolve for the next time around. So was it that I didn't study enough? Was I not prepared? Did I need to spend more time on this material versus that material? So really an invitation to get clear and investigate how how we can grow and evolve ourselves. So it's very solution oriented, Mm -hmm. whereas the fixed mindset, we meet resilience and we can, we take it to mean something about ourselves and we give up. Mm, Yeah, no. And I think there's a lot of times there's a family dynamic, right? That is almost passed down generationally where it's like, my family was always like, oh, we fail at everything. Nobody likes us. Like that was kind of like, they called it the Schneider curse. And I was just like, I do not accept. This is terrible. And there's a couple of us who are just like, we're smarter than that. (laughs) You know, and there were there, but there was kind of this like, Mm, angry negative thing that was almost kind of passed down and like well you know we have the Schneider curse that's why things don't work out for us or why we um don't try um and that just to me was just such a sad thing because it's it's a fixed mindset that's not only just it's it's internalized and then passed down um and it's kind of funny like I, I I was told that I'm like one of the few people in the family who actually like had an idea and followed through because life is hard and I'm like oh come on man um that's not what that's not how I want to live and I think that that's like an extreme example of of what a fixed mindset is um but one of the things that I found so fascinating in my own growth journey is that how much control we have over our interactions over the people around us over our relationships Uh, We have so much power and so much control that so many times we don't give ourselves credit for because we just kind of accept that we're supposed to take the next step or get the next promotion or you're supposed to get married and have a baby and do this and do that and instead kind of creating some intentionality um, within that. So I talk a lot about intention, especially in our relationships in the workplace. And I'm curious, when you're working with – you call them, I think, intrapreneurs – 
or mm-hmm. corporate. Um, do you see any of the dynamics within the colleagues or the people that you work with? Do you see them change in any way? Absolutely. So I believe that we teach people how to treat us. Um, mm-hmm. And when we show up a little bit differently, when we show up with more of that intentionality or integrity, everybody around us then does the same thing, right? We're we're human beings and we watch people's behavior and we take it as an invitation to evolve our own as well. And I think that when, and this is so amazing why you're healing lineage with your family and what it's the impact that it's going to have for your daughter too. You're showing up differently, which means she's going to show up differently. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about things and seeing them differently. And so is she. And the same thing happens in the context of our work, right? We open one person up and there's this ripple effect out into the world, which is why, as you know, this work is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I think it's, well, and I think that's what I love is the ripple effect, right? I love the fact that by changing one mind or one way of doing things, you can change like a lineage or or the people you influence or a generation and how powerful that can be. What do you say to people who are starting to to like lean into this work and they don't know how to, how to move forward? Do you find that a lot of times, um, especially with entrepreneurs, do they, do you think that they feel lost first before they come to that kind of growth mindset or being entrepreneurish? Is it that you have to have a hard time first or do you think that it's kind of where things are going? So I would love for it to be where things are going. And I love this idea that we're teaching it in schools. And mm-hmm. so you don't have to kind of get to the the pain point or the resistance where a lot of people in my practice have come to me is when they've met that resistance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether the business isn't working out or their body is telling themselves something or their mindset is they're just feeling really stressed. They're not able to get where they want to go. That's kind of the moment they decide that they need to reevaluate something. So they have to experience the pain first. But I think it's a, a, a beautiful thing. If, if we can just naturally evolve to that space that we're cultivating, that would be amazing. Yeah, no, I love that. I think about that a lot too, especially with my daughter, because I had to go through really hard times and be knocked down. And I had someone ask me the question recently, do you think we all have to find a rock bottom at some point in time, whether health, religion, love, work, whatever, before we make these grand shifts in our lives? And I was thinking about my daughter and I'm like, well, I'm curating this kind of mindset with her, right? And I'm trying to offer her these opportunities to see the world differently. So I'm hoping that we get to that place where people don't have to go through so much (laughs) drama and trial, maybe because the generation before, and that it is an evolution, right? There's an evolution of, of consciousness or mindset, um, you're, you're building your children, of course. I, I read something recently that I absolutely love. It's the devastation of a mother's love is you're always teaching your child to leave you. And all you're ever doing is trying to create the tools and the opportunities for them to, to, to leave you and be um, capable and to not fail hard. You know they have to at some point in time to understand. But I'm playing with the idea, and I love the idea that at some point in time we're going to evolve to a place where maybe things don't have to be as difficult because people have better toolboxes. Yes, I love that. And I do think that's the, that's it, right? Having better toolboxes. And when we, when we meet this resistance or when we experience pain, we don't take it to mean something about ourselves. We don't fall apart. It's an invitation to get better, to grow. So we just meet the resistance or we meet the pain a little differently because mm-hmm. there'll always be something. Oh, for sure. And I think that's one thing like too, it's, it's being open to pain and being open to resistance and rather than looking at it being like look at it and say okay what is this (laughs) what are you trying to teach me in this moment 
Right, exactly. Because every, everyone in every situation is a teacher. So yes, what do I need to learn to feel a little bit better right now? <laughs> yeah. What do you love about your work? I can hear like you have passion behind your words and um, I've, I've been following you and I, I love the spirit that you have in regards to this. What do you love most about working with people in this area? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this work is so rewarding. So for me, part of my dis-ease and stress and everything that was happening in my body was about disconnection from my true self. Mm -hmm. So feeling like I had to be a certain way, whether it was perfectionistic in work or I had to be a certain way in relationships to be acceptable, to be lovable. And I built this entire facade and this exterior and then eventually it was suffocating inside of it. My body was like, you are trying so hard to be something for someone else and you're so disconnected from yourself that literally you're falling apart underneath this veneer. Mm. And so my work is really about reconnecting people to the truth of who they are. And, you know, nutrition and mindfulness and business strategy are all tools to, for us to get clear. And if we could give everybody these tools, we can live in a world where we're so much freer from suffering from pain, where it's just so much easier to connect the dots, to know who we are, to do the work that we're called to do. And like, that's the world that I want to live in. Like, I don't want people to have to you know, feel the pain. I want to mitigate the learning curve. And I do believe that everybody has something really special to give once we come back to ourselves. But so much of the time, we're just living in that programming. Mm, programming. That's my, yep. <laughs> that's my thing. Um, I, I, I like, you. I've got my boxing gloves up. Like you can't see me, but <laughs> I'm in the studio with my hands up and fits like, ah. um, what about, so when you have a hard day, like I, I, one of the things I love about the new kind of self-development is really, I feel like people are a lot more real and raw and mm -hmm. are honest, right? Instead of saying, mm -hmm. I have all of the answers and my life is now perfect. I love that kind of the, the people who are coming into this space now are like, you know what, sometimes I have really hard days. Like this past couple of weeks, I have decision fatigue and my anxiety has been a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have to be able to share that, right, in order to connect because I'm also building the tools to help me in these situations. So I'm curious for you, especially if you have physical, you know, frustrations, what happens on your bad days? What do you do? Yeah, that's so, I love everything that you're saying. And I love that you're saying like about being so open about it and creating the tools as well. And I, I echo that so hard. So it's so interesting. Sometimes I'm like, things are going too well. I wish I could experience some pain so I can do it. <laughs> I need to like, grow. It's hilarious. But yes, I have bad days. And the thing for me is really sitting in the emotion of it. Because for a long time, I was so walled off. I'd be like, oh, everything's fine. Shiny veneer. Everything's great. I'm not suffering. Things aren't bad. So for me, really allowing myself to sit in the emotion of it and understand the emotion. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times, and the tools that I have too are, how do I move through it? Let me move through it quickly. Let me not sit in the emotion. So for me, step mm -hmm. one is sit in the emotion or sit in the feeling. Like if I'm feeling extremely tired, if I'm feeling a little defeated, really sit in that. And what, you know, what does it mean for me? And then going to the tools to move through it with grace. But, um, but for me, it really is about sitting in the emotion as uncomfortable as that still feels for me. I have to, I have to do that work, but it's funny. I do. Um, I now kind of, I get a little bit excited about the rock bottoms, if that's even a thing, because I know that one, there's an opportunity to learn and then I'm going up after that. And so it's interesting. It's very that's different funny. than where I came from. No, and I, I think I understand that to, in some extent, right? Like, so I think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves that we've done all this work. So like, 
I shouldn't be feeling this negative whatever. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm just calling it, right? Like I'm feeling anxiety today or I'm angry today. Um, and I and like that reminder, thank you, that sometimes we have to sit in our emotions and feel them and process them. Because I write about it, but sometimes it's hard to do when you're in the moment, right? Because you want to be but I've got the, I've already got done the work. I've got the stuff. Like I can get through this. Um, so I think that's, that's an important reminder that we do have to feel our feelings and process them and have our bad days and have our moments where we just need to kind of close the, the curtains and take care of that, you know, self-care aspect of our ourselves and then start to move it forward. And I completely understand what you said too. I don't know that I get excited about rock bottoms, but I kind of greet them. I'm like, okay. You know, and my rock bottoms aren't like they used to be. Like I have, I have, we have tough moments. There are things that happen that are hard or grief or frustrations. And um, I had a, a kind of a season of grieving not too long ago. That was like me actively through the process of grieving and just being like, okay, I know that there's another side of this. I know I'm going to learn something really great. Um, so I'm just going to accept that. So I think there's more kind of like, I greet it. I don't know that I get excited about it. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for you. Let's, let's do this. Let's dance. I think that's a beautiful distinction that you pointed out too. And I I agree. So there are, there are things that I get excited about with the rock bottoms, but then there are spaces that I'm like, oof, okay. I know that there's something in here and I'm greeting. I'm not running away from you. I'm linking arms with you, but I'm not necessarily excited about it. And when you Mm -hmm. talked about grief, I lost my grandpa in November and he was a, my father figure. And that was a, mo- a rock bottom that I was not seeking or excited about and yeah. allowing myself to sit in that emotion and then being extra kind with my body too, because when we're in that stress response, it does actually, our physiology can change. And so, you know, yes, linking arms with it, understanding what's there for me, but real compassion and kindness on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. Yeah. And I think that's something that I I actually had a friend one time when I was going through a hard time and she was like, I want you to love yourself right now and be very gentle with yourself. And it was probably like one of the, the, the most helpful things. Like she gave me permission and she's like, if you feel tired, I want you to go take a nap. If you feel like crying, I want you to cry. If you are feeling, go get, you know, a massage, go to the spa, go swim, go for a walk, go outside, stop feeling like you got to fill a calendar because right now you're sad, right? And right now you're going through a hard time. So I want you to take care of yourself. And I was reading this article, um, actually this morning about a woman who had lost her husband. They'd been together for 40 years. And she said she basically, she walked through her grief, right? Grief never really ends, but she allowed herself to kind of, it was wintry outside and the trees were barren. And she's like, I would walk in the snow and, and listen to the crunch of the snow. And I would look at the animals. And then if I was tired, I would nap. And then, um, it was actually the CEO of sleep number. It was a really beautiful article. Um, until she was ready to kind of get back to, and then I, then this part of, you know, my grief cycle, I allowed myself to feel joy. And I allowed myself to do these things. And it was really a beautiful kind of like a, almost like this orchestra that she kind of had within her own body, within her own emotions, where she allowed herself to kind of go through this whole like crescendo of emotions and and give herself permission to feel them. Um, I thought that was really, really beautiful. And something that we don't always do, we want things to have a process and kind of move instead of doing exactly what we talked about when we first started talking about that intuition, right? Kind of being like, what do I need right now? 
And um, I love that so yeah. much. And I think it's, I think it's even more impactful hearing that um, a female CEO was able mm-hmm. to do that because I think so many times we think, okay, you know, I have to be more masculine in this organization or in this work, and I can't allow myself to deeply feel, and I've got to move through things quickly. Masculine in quality, not necessarily in gender, but um, I think it's just so beautiful that she, like you said, took the time to go through this crescendo of emotion, such a beautiful phrase, and really deeply feel and connect with everything on an intuitive level. That's uh, That makes me... So um, I think that's such a heart-opening experience. Yeah, it was really beautiful to read. And I think it's so important that we have people who are in positions of power, whether female or male, talk about those things, right? Rather than being like, I'm strong and saying, you know, this, this was a hard season of my life. I think that vulnerability is something that people can truly connect with. And it starts to pull away that expectation that, you know, I grind, I'm a hard worker, I don't feel... And that's the old, I think, patriarchal way of looking at corporate America or at, you know, executive level leadership was that you go and you do. Um, Right, exactly. Yeah. I love that. She is walking the walk and talking the talk. That's beautiful. For sure. What pointers would you have or suggestions would you have for our listeners about how to cultivate or or what steps they can take um, that you think would be helpful little pointers or, or, or bullet points as they're thinking about this conversation? Yeah. So I think that as they're thinking about mindset and and connecting intuitively to ourselves, I think some of the biggest things are like really allowing ourselves the space, the time and the tools to get clear. So for me, one of those tools was healthy eating, because I do believe that when we're treating our bodies in a certain way, those messages can come through, just like you were saying, like Mm -hmm. on your yoga mat or after your hit class, like you're prolifically writing and just stuff is coming through us. So I think allowing us the space, time and the tools to really get clear on what it is we need and how we move through the world and how we make choices because we're all so unique in that and allowing ourselves to really come back and to play and also to orient our compass towards joy as well. So much of the time we get so entrenched in the doing and and I even found this with myself with self-help too. Like I was making self-help a job eventually (laughs) and then I had to kind of remind myself to come back and like, oh, this is a beautiful thing. And this is something I get to have fun in. And so always coming back to ourselves and being playful with it and joyful with it too, because that's what the journey's about, you know? Yeah. And I love that too. The reminder um, to choose joy. You know, I was having this great conversation with someone the other day with, you know, me on this journey as an entrepreneur, I'm also in the process of blending a family. And so I have put my friendships and my trips and my joy to the side. I get joy out of both of the things that I'm doing, but I'm so focused on them that mm-hmm. I was surprised how much I enjoyed having dinner with a girlfriend and laughing <laughs> and she's yeah and she's like you're kind of forgetting yourself and all of this and I'm like I've got goals and she's yeah. you know and like it was like oh yes sometimes we need to schedule our joy when we have the big things in our life that we're focused on um get, get in some time to laugh with some girlfriends or do one of those things that kind of allows other aspects and, and facets of your personality to come forward um, that aren't just work and home life. Um, I yeah, think that's so I important. I agree. Like joy is a form of nourishment too. Like our relationships, our boundaries, our relationship to time, like all of that is nourishment. I love it. I have two questions for you, things that I ask everyone that I always want to know. Um, you know, a lot of my work is on working on kind of programming and your younger self. And so I wanted to ask you, if you were to look at 
a younger version of yourself, if you look back in time and imagine her, um, what age, what would she look like, and what would you want her to know? So she's about four, and she's amazing, and so (laughs) exuberant, and full of life, and I just want her to know that she is enough exactly as she is. Oh, I love that. I love that. You were, I love the ages. I like to ask the age because something beautiful always comes out of it. It's always like there's this innocence where mm-hmm. like, I'd like to get to her right before she starts learning things, right? <laughs> where she's still full of life. <laughs> I have a lot of people who are like, it's going to be fine. What's yeah. coming next? It'll all be fine. Um, and then secondly, if you were leaving this earth and you wanted to leave behind nuggets of wisdom and inspiration, something that you knew would live on after you, what would you say? So a lot of my work is really around nourishment plus authenticity allows us to come back to ourselves and have the impact that we want to have on the world. So for me, it would really be authenticity is your superpower. Mm -hmm. So really deconditioning, coming back to yourself, standing in the magnificence of exactly who you are before we were programmed or conditioned. And that is what makes us amazing. That's what moves the world forward when we really stand in that truth. Oh, I love it. So my advice to my younger self is that you are so powerful, right? You just don't know it yet. Like it's that and it's exactly that kind of mindset right it's who we are before we were told um how to live how to be efficient how to be successful how to create opportunity for retailers and you know companies to make money right um Mm -hmm. and there's so much power in in our authentic beautiful magical selves um, that I love that you echoed the same sentiment. I think it's so important that we recognize that our voices are important, our stance is important, what we're here to do is important, um, and get back to that place. I could not agree more. I love it. I want to thank you so much for coming on Gold and sharing your gold. I love this conversation. I love your spirit and exuberance. And if people want to find you, where should they go? And I love this conversation too. And your energy is just so amazing and your voice and what you share. Just, we're lucky to have you. So thank thank you you for the work you do. Thank you. Yeah. I mean that. Um, You can learn more about me um, at my website, which is www.aminaaltai.com, which I assume this spelling will be in the show notes. It will. (laughs) (laughs) And then on Instagram as well, where I share, I do office hours weekly and um, share lots of free content there too. And it's at aminaaltai. Yeah, I, and follow her Instagram. I love, I love what you're, I love your quotes. I love what you share. It's very soulful. Love what you wrote about moms for Mother's Day. Um, so thank you so much for for being on Gold and for sharing. And um, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, and you too. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love Amina's advice to tap into your authenticity. You can find her at AminaAltai.com or on Instagram at AminaAltai. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. 
If you want some help moving toward that intentional life, join me each week on my intention journey. I'm inviting you totally free from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my girl tribe at JeanetteSchneider.com and before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday morning with some intention setting prompts and give you some tips as to what's setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime. Intentional living is where it's at, y'all. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day. Thank you.